Welcome to the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Now, here are your hosts, editor Christian Berg and associate editor Mark Demko. All right, we're back here at the Lancaster Archery Classic, and the next interesting person that we bumped into down there is Mr. Rob Coffold himself, the uh, founder and I don't know what your title is. I say owner, Rob. President. President of Lancaster Archery. And so the man with the vision that got all this started. Thank you, Chris. Congratulations. And uh, kind of want to start out, honestly, talking about your hunting season because you had a heck of a year. Yeah. I um, had a good good year in Montana, whitetail, and then a, a, a real big whitetail with uh, TOG, the... Um, folks who make uh, slick trick broadheads, Scott releases and whatnot, and that was in Illinois. Yeah, yeah, and Elite, yeah, Elite Archery is part of the outdoor group, so you're hunting with those guys in yep. Illinois, and you actually were hunting with a recurve out yep. there, huh? Yeah, fortunate to, uh, to kill them with a recurve, 11-yard shot, recurve range. Well, everyone likes an 11-yard shot, you know. Top pin's the best pin, and of course with the recurve, you got no pin, so. Yep. I don't know how far you'd feel comfortable with your recurve. 20 max. Yeah. And how big was that buck? 172. 172, Mark. How many 170s did you kill this year, Mark? Uh, at least one less than you got this year. <laughs> <laughs> and, you, and you said you got a deer in uh, Montana as yeah. well? Well, how, how big was that deer? Um, it was, uh, it had a drop time, which is why I shot him. Yeah. Uh, but it was only 148. Only, only 148. Remember, you're talking to two fellow Pennsylvanians yeah. here, Rob. And then what, did you kill another one yet? Um, no, just some does in Pennsylvania and Maryland. Yeah. Have you always hunted with, like, with a recurve, or is that something you transitioned into? Yeah, I tr transitioned. I started that way, and now as I'm getting older, going back to it. But I hunt with both. Yeah. A lot of times I carry a compound and a recurve in the stand. Well, it's pretty amazing because, you know, I don't know if you – if you mind me talking about it, but you'd, you'd had some health issues, you know, you'd had a stroke and you were kind of in rough shape for a while. So it's pretty awesome to me. Like, it's great to see that you're able to still get now get in the tree and you're shooting the recurve and you're pretty much, maybe not a hundred percent, but close enough to get just about everything done that you want to do. Well, yeah, there's a few things I probably have to take off my bucket list. I always, always wanted to do a Kodiak bear hunt sometime, but, uh, Still love to be able to do that. I think you could. Why couldn't you? You you weren't faster than the bear before the no. stroke, and you're still not faster. <laughs> Definitely than the not bear. faster now. You just need a good rifle, man. You know, just in case. Yeah. Um, no, I absolutely think you could do that. Now, geez, the tournament this year, Rob. I mean, 2,700 archers. It's a new record. You guys uh, continue to be really at the forefront when it comes to promoting archery and helping to grow this sport. Well, you control, you control your own destiny if you uh, try to create as many customers as you possibly can. And we, that's a mission for Lancaster Archery each and every day is teaching new archers and helping existing archers to better their game. Yeah, and, um, you know, you've created a great atmosphere. And, and the thing I think that's so neat about this event is, you know, you have people that or like Mark and I, you know, just regular everyday average bow hunters. And then you have Olympians walking around down there and you can just be side by side and you might end up shooting next to them. 
yeah, our daughter is one of them, and uh, we we really enjoy the just the different people. There's uh, there's folks here from all over the world. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, Casey uh, Casey had a heck of a year, and I saw that she was just named the I guess athlete of the year for the Americas by World Archery. Yes, thank you. So yeah, you guys have to be pretty darn proud and. Yeah. Your, your son Connor's doing quite yeah. well with it as well. Yeah, Connor's shooting barebow at this event, and uh, you know, in, in collegiate archery, there's four divisions of collegiate archery, and he wants to all American or podium in all four divisions. And so far, he has uh, he's well on his way to doing that. So, what are the you mean divisions? You mean disciplines? Disciplines, or? yes. Gotcha. So yeah. there's compound. There's there's Olympic recurve. Okay. And then there's barebow recurve. Then there's bow hunter, which is fixed pin. And then there's open, which is, you know, compound and full-blown scope and stabilizer setups. And where's he going to school? Texas A&M. That's awesome. He and Casey. Both of them there. Both of them there. Yeah, that's great. I think, you know, Rob, I didn't plan on this, but that's something really interesting as a parent. Um, you know, a lot of parents, right, think, oh, boy, it would be great if my kid could get a scholarship or the opportunity to participate you know, at a collegiate level program. And archery is probably one of the more overlooked opportunities that's out there. There are a lot of opportunities in collegiate archery for sure. And so both of your kids, did they get scholarships? Yes, to they go? did. Yeah. So what, what uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about that whole process, because there may be people listening, you know, young folks who, you know, are avid hunters and maybe they haven't considered that possibility. There's quite a few uh, universities and colleges throughout the country that offer scholarship, scholarships. And uh, the Lancaster Archery Foundation is a foundation that my wife and I started. And uh, we offer scholarships as well uh, to both individuals and to clubs to start a collegiate archery program. And is the, what's the best route for somebody that wants to, you know, possibly have that kind of an opportunity? Is it through the JOAD program or yeah. Scholastic 3D, or could it be, you know, any number of those avenues? Scholastic 3D would be a good avenue. JOAD uh, with USA Archery is certainly a great uh, venue as well. Uh, shoot well, keep your grades up. All that good stuff, Mr. Demko. That's great advice. Thanks been, for sharing. You've been quiet over there. What, what's burning in your brain? Well, the one thing I wanted to ask, you know, obviously we're – 20 years into this tournament and you wanted to start it to expand the interest in archery your customers but did you ever envision it would get to where you're at today what was your goal um you know our our goal the first year was i took five thousand took took and hung a five thousand dollar pork chop around my neck and said please come visit i guaranteed five thousand dollars for first prize for the very first event we had 125 archers show up and uh, it's only grown from there. Yeah, I think uh, PJ said that the total purse this year is over three hundred thousand. Over three hundred thousand yeah. dollars. So, and that doesn't include contingency. Correct. So, there's really probably more like at least six hundred grand or more. Yeah. yeah, yeah, pretty pretty amazing. You're drawing shooters from all over the world now, throughout North America, and I think uh, PJ mentioned you have some people who have come in from Asia. Yeah, we have Swedes. We have uh, the the, the barebow contingency a ton of ton of swedes come in for that yeah, in absolutely incredible well kudos to you congratulations uh, we're just having a good time we're trying to th throw, throw everybody at an archery party this started the classic started as a way for us to thank all of our customers and uh it remains that way and um 
you know, we appreciate everybody coming out. We're truly humbled by everybody coming out and traveling so far. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, Rob, obviously, you know, this tournament is the big news this weekend, but what you guys do all year round, probably at a larger scale and better than almost anybody else in the world is sell archery equipment, you know, whether that be to the competitive shooters or the bow hunters of, of America. And um, what are you seeing trend-wise in the archery market? You know, I'm sure you eat, sleep, and, and breathe this every day. And of course, we just are coming off the archery trade show and, and we're heading towards, you know, the Harrisburg show and, and it's that time of the year. Uh, what's hot? Where do you see things going? And, and what really stands out to you as you look at 2023 from a business standpoint and, and opportunities or what consumers are demanding? Well, I think a lot of dealers have had uh, been challenged by COVID, certainly. And, uh, and some dealers have had some banner years during COVID, too. That's the full gamut. Uh, but uh, some exciting things that we saw at the ATA show. There's uh, some exciting things in broadheads. Uh, single single bevel cut uh, seems to be uh, coming on, and we love to see that. Uh, we love brands like uh, uh, Helix, like it's uh, uh, the other one. Um, but the the single bevel cut uh, broadheads seem to be uh, really taking off. What are you thinking about? Uh crossbows, Robin, what do you guys see there in terms of its overall mix? Obviously, you come personally out of a, a traditional archery background, a vertical bow background, but uh, crossbows seem to continue to gain in popularity, and there's been an awful lot of innovation there over the last handful of years. Yeah, a little bit of what I was afraid of uh, is taking place, is, and that's the speed race. And, uh, you know, everybody's after the 400 feet per second, 500 feet per second, you know, shoot further. Um, and some of the, the art of hunting, of getting close to the game of truly what bow hunting's all about, uh, gets lost in that as you stretch your effective range to 50 yards, 80 yards, 100 yards and beyond. One thing that I thought was interesting this year, though, if you look at, of course, like you said, we've had that speed race, and last year in 2022, you had both Raven and 10 Point with crossbows that were either at or just a little over 500 feet per second. Now, I noticed this year for 2023, 10 Point's flagship bow is 460. So they've actually taken a little step back, and I think there's a couple reasons for that, but one, I think, is just at 505 feet per second, I think they're, you're pushing the limits of the design and materials. And yes, we, we found in, in, the, in the shop, in, in practical experience, the 500 feet per second bows, every shot shoots themselves to pieces. You know, they, Literally, you know, they, right? um, they're not as dependable as they, they should be, especially for what they cost. And so the, the 400 feet per second bows many times are much more dependable than the 500 foot per second bows. Well, and, and when you think about it, I don't know what you get out of your setups, Rob. I mean, for me at 29 inch draw, 62, 63 pound draw weight and a 420 grain arrow, most of my compound bows, my hunting bows are about 280 feet per second. So, you know, 400 feet is a blistering fast bow. And like you said, they're, they're really reliable and it's nothing on planet earth that you probably can't kill with one of those things right 
Yeah. So you were going to add something, Mark? No, I just totally agree. It's, it, and you've seen that, you know, when you talk about the crossbows, you've seen that growth in technology and innovation. But now, have we reached that plateau? Is this as is far as we can go now? And like you said, you, 400 feet per second is plenty fast. Well, another thing that, you know, and we're going to be doing some coverage on this this year, Rob, I was really surprised. Um, kind of first started by a statistic we got out of the Game Commission here in Pennsylvania that I think you actually dug up or heard about. Mark told me one day, he said, hey, I was talking to, was it Travis from the Game Commission? Travis Lowe the Game Commission. PR guy. He said 68% uh, of all the deer taken during the archery season were taken with crossbow. And I'm like, think about that. Just sit down for a minute and think about that. That's almost seven out of every 10 deer being taken with archery tackle now in the state are being taken with horizontal bows. And then we started looking at some of these other states where crossbows are legal, you know, Michigan, um, Virginia, uh, Wisconsin, and you're seeing that the success rate is much higher with a crossbow than it is with a bow. Well, the participation rate is also higher. I, I actually think we may have reached a point in America where it's almost like it happened while we weren't really paying that much attention or thinking about it, where there may be more than half of all the participants. And part of that is, yes, some people have switched from vertical bows to crossbows, but also I think just a lot of rifle hunters have come into archery seasons because of the crossbow. And there may be more people in the woods every October and November with crossbows now in some of these states than there are with compounds. Like it might be 55, 45, you know, crossbow. And so it's actually changed the whole face of our sport and I'm not making a, I mean, I'll leave it to you. I'm not saying if that's good or bad. I'm just saying this is what the statistics are telling us. Yeah, the game commissions are going to have to pay attention to that as well. Um, so my question for you is, because I'd be interested in your response. Some people, you know, say, well, this is terrible, you know, that this has happened. And my, I always come back to like, look, people are going to vote for whatever reason with their dollars and their choices. If you think more people should be hunting with compounds or traditional bows and they're not, that tells me we have a messaging problem. We need, we need to do a better job of telling people why they might enjoy that more because if they thought they would, they'd be hunting with one. So I don't know what your personal opinion is, but you can share it. And, and what, you know, what do you think the, the vertical bow market needs to do because obviously if crossbows are growing that much or drawing that many more people, are we cannibalizing, you know, the vertical segment, or do you think that it's not a concern? Well, I like to put it this way, Chris. Um, people love and enjoy shooting a bow, vertical bow, recurves or compounds out in the backyard. It's fun for recreation. It's great for family recreation. Crossbows, on the other hand, are an excellent and highly effective hunting tool. They're not fun to just go out in the backyard and shoot with. Um, Largely because of the time and effort it takes to cock the bow each time. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And there's other reasons and too. It, it's hard to get your arrows out of the targets. And there's many things that it's just more fun to shoot a vertical bow of any kind than it is a crossbow. Now, having said that, it's great to be able to take your six-year-old or your five-year-old or your seven-year-old out with a crossbow and let them be able to kill their first deer with a crossbow. 
uh, when they can't draw 40 pounds or whatever is necessary to do so with a vertical bow. Did you, uh, did you use them with your kids at all? Yes. Our, our two kids each killed their very first deer, not with a gun. They killed their first deer with a crossbow when they were six years old, both Casey and Connor. Which is really interesting. So think about that. One who's an Olympian and the other one who's either is or striving to be an All-American collegiate archer or, you know, started with the crossbow, but obviously have then branched into, you know, other disciplines uh, within the archery community. And, you know, he, he talked about the, the fact that, you know, there's just certain things about the crossbow that, that aren't as fun. It really struck me coming from Rob, because again, coming back to, listen, you faced some significant physical challenges over the last couple of years. I'm sure the thought at least crossed your mind or somebody had to say to you at some point or ask you, are you going to hunt with a crossbow? But I'm betting that you never gave that serious consideration. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> no. If I'm able to, uh, I'm going to keep shooting. I find that physically, uh, in many ways, shooting a recurve is less taxing on my body than shooting a compound. I shoot a lighter weight and you're not holding it any time at all. I, I, I don't have a, a trouble with um, holding it steady because with the recurve, it's, it's relative. Yeah, yeah, and it's probably therapeutic for you as well. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, what else do you have for Rob, Mark? Anything in particular? You know, you, you talked about uh, some of the things you can't, maybe won't be able to do now going forward, like the, the Kodiak hunt. What's the next thing you want to do? What's your next immediate goal, whether it's with your business or in your hunting? Well, um, I'm looking forward to uh, Connor and Casey someday taking the business over and uh, seeing where they take it. That, uh, that's a few years out, but I'm certainly looking forward to that. Hope to be around till then. And what about in the hunts? What do you have on tap for 23, if anything in particular, that you're looking forward to? Every fall I'm kill called especially out to hunt elk. You know, I mean, that's... That's a, a fever of mine. Uh, you know, the 10th of September is as sacred as the first week of November is. Well, that's awesome. And uh, yeah. he's had his share of success. So if I was a bull elk wherever Rob Caulfield is heading, I wouldn't feel too good about my chances uh, come September. Well, listen, thanks for taking some time to join us. I know it's a really busy weekend for you. Um, again, congrats on, you know, what this tournament has grown into. and and what it means to the archery community. Keep up the great work and all that you do to promote our sport. Thank you, Chris. Thanks for coming. All right, we're back here semi-live at the Lancaster Archery Classic. And you know, Mark, it's funny because in our last segment, we were with Rob Coffold from Lancaster Archery. And what did he tell you? One of the big, hot product items is... Single bevel broadheads. Single bevel broadheads. And we go downstairs and we bump into the guys from Vantage Point Archery, proudly made in Fort Wayne, Indiana. That's right. And I've got Mr. Ryan Corkwell and Jeff Stringer. They are co-owners of VPA. And you guys have a bunch of broadheads, but one that's new for 2023. And I guess we ought to start out talking about it as a single bevel that is setting the world on fire yeah, it's a 125 and it's really the new thing about the size right get down to that single bevel in that size so it's one of our best sellers for sure so what do you call this 
the 125 single bevel. Wow, that's <laughs> some marketing that's there. Marketing. I'll be able to remember that one. You won't have me struggling. <laughs> well, you know, it's funny because I asked you this, and it, I'm curious myself, but, you know, traditionally, we'd think traditional archery when it comes to some single bevel broadheads. But you said that a lot more compound bow hunters are going to these things because of how effective they are on game. And you're shaking your head, Ryan, so why don't you run with that one? It's more even like, so it's designed for left and right. The bevel on this one is a right, but it's going to have a left also for the guys that are either knocking left or knocking right off their, off, their, off their shaft when they check it out. Yeah, it's more ethical for the single fact that it's going to open. It's not going to open. It's never going to open. It's a solid one-piece design. Um, that's why we came out with it. That's why we our number one seller all last year was the 200 grain and 150 was number two and we're thinking hey for those guys that want to be a little lighter a little faster let's assign something in a 125 grain and that's what we ended up doing so jeff i'm curious um you know we were talking a little bit downstairs before we came up here again i mentioned at the beginning you know you guys make all these right there in fort wayne i know you have a machine shop um you guys have been doing this you said for like 20 years but obviously you come out of a machining background. You're probably making stuff for a whole bunch of other industries too before you started to build broadheads. Yeah, it's really a job shop. It's, it started in some guys' backyards. Um, then they, they got so busy they moved it into a, the facility that we're in now and make all sorts of stuff. But the one we love is the, the broadhead side. You ask what that name should be. I think we ought to call it the three-step. Right, we sh you shoot something, it takes three steps, and it's dead. It's not like these mechanicals that you wonder if it opens up. It's dead. You know? now, now, that's good marketing there. <laughs> I like that. That's the, very the, good. The three-step, you know? And, 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 you know, it would be good if you had a TV show or a YouTube channel or something because, you, you know, you get your footage of that, and then you, you hit them, and you're like, oh, you're going to do the old three-step. And then you see him <laughs> rocking back and forth, and he goes rear over tea kettle, and, man, there he is. Another, it's another three-step production. You'll see our stuff. Trekking Outdoors has an outdoor, outdoor channels show that you'll see our stuff on there. They shoot our stuff. So, so this is new, 125 grain, single bevel. What do you make this out of? What kind of? It's all steel, I assume. Yes, that's S7 tool steel. And what does that mean to a guy like me who doesn't know? <sighs> so there's you can grade you can grade metals as whether it's, it's 1045. We make a lot of stuff in that, and then we do a lot of stuff in S7. Just a harder material, you can get it sharper. Um, the edge retention is a lot better also on that material. Now, it's going to stay sharper longer. Now, I'm going to, you know, we do some broadhead testing at Peterson's Bowhunting. And one of the tests, I guess we, we call it a test. I don't know if it's really a test. It's more of like a, can we completely destroy your broadhead? Because we shoot it into a giant slab of granite, basically, that we got out of a field and... I'm gonna. I'm not gonna mention any names of other manufacturers, but there was another broadhead. It's still around. It's advertised as the strongest broadhead steel that's out there, and it may be the hardest. Okay, but I think it's brittle because when you shoot it into a rock, it shatters into a million pieces. So when they talk about strength, I think maybe what they're talking about is hardness, but not necessarily integral strength. What happens with one of your broadheads when I hit something really hard? Because I'd rather have it bend or even just break off a little piece than shatter into a million pieces. 
for one thing, if that happens, you take a picture of it and you send it to me and I'll send you another one, right? That's the first thing. The other thing is you can play that game with the metallurgy and that and your hardness. Like if you're getting it above 60, that's really hard. And it's just super brittle on your Rockwell scale. And it is, it's just gonna shatter. Where we try to get this around that 56 to 58, and I'm sorry, I'm getting in the weeds a little bit here, but if you get that in that 56 to 58 range, you can get that hardness where it's sharp, it's gonna ink retain that, and then, man, if you're shooting in a rock pile, it's probably gonna scratch it up and you're gonna have to resharpen it, but hopefully you're gonna be able to use it again. And that's what we want. We want you to use it again, over and over and over. Yeah, we love those tests about shooting in a rock pile, but unless the deer you're trying to kill is behind a great big piece of granite, I think we're okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and some people say that it is a, there's an entertainment factor to that particular <laughs> shot that we do because we do rent some high-speed video equipment every year and we get all that stuff in slow motion. And we even say, you know, I, I've said it in the, you know, in the magazine many times, no, nobody's hunting a rock and it's pretty extreme. I honestly expect pretty much every broadhead to get pretty significant damage. It's amazing to me that every year there are two or three that managed to like take that and stay pretty much intact. And that's, to me, it's more of an opportunity for a couple people to impress than it is that saying that the other 10 are garbage because you, yeah, who's ever really shooting a, a giant rock on purpose? I hope not. Like, right? No, I mean, although the rock hunting is always good. I mean, not every day the deer hunting's not always good, the elk hunting, but I mean, rocks, I can usually find a bunch, so. Rocks and squirrels are the two things that I find in abundance out there, not always the deer. Um, so you guys make a bunch of heads, right? I mean, how many different models of broadhead do you have? So it's really two blade, three blade, then you pick your material type, then you pick your grain type, then you pick your cutting diameter. So it's, I don't, I don't know. Anywhere from 100 grain up to 300 grain, anywhere from inch and an eighth cut up to inch and a half cut. Single um, bevel, double single bevel, bevel, double bevel. Left, left single right single i mean just a variety so it's it's steps within the range but there's probably just three four types and deciding on the grain just a lot of different configuration options with each one you, you've been doing this more than 20 years when you when you decide you wanted to get into making broadheads and you know you had the machine shop you guys both bow hunt what was the first one you set out to make like what was that process like yeah we won't take the credit we have a great machinist guy that that is the first one that just said hey why don't we make our own broadhead? And he's the one that really kicked it off. And then um, they grew it up, and, and then me and Ryan were introduced, so we won't take the credit for that. But it was a it was a three blade fixed broadhead. You know, down is back in the day when a hundred grains was big, and then the, as the FOC came through is where we started moving up on it. And we actually have one out there that we don't market the six hundred grains. Wow. So, <clears throat> not sure exactly what you want to shoot it at, but that, that's a good size one. And the deal with all your broadheads is every single one of them, whether it's the two blade, the three blade, no matter what cutting diameter, what, you know, um, grain weight, they're all single piece heads, right? Made out of one piece of billet. So the idea of what we want to do is um, shot placement is everything, right? You talk to the bow guys, the guys that make bows, and they've, the technology's way up there, and it's about shot placement. But you're not always going to hit it. Nobody's perfect. Our broadhead, let's say you hit him in the front shoulder, you're still going to get full pass through. You know, we've we've got examples where we've passed through both shoulders on all sorts of animals. So it's yeah, shot placement practice, get where you need to be. But ours, you're not going to worry about whether it has to open up. 
whether it's going to you know be sharp going through they're sharp they're opened up all the time and you're going to make that kill we want to see the videos where they shoot the buck they walk over 15 minutes later and pick it up not the next day they shoot at night and you see the video the next day they're harvesting the buck that's not ethical kill we want ethical kills what we're trying to go after well and i'm figuring you guys have been hunting with these for long time a number of years exclusively right why would we shoot somebody else's broadhead exactly right? well <laughs> uh, professional research maybe but um no what i mean is you guys have a, a pretty good track record of nice indiana bucks and from a bunch of other places too i'm sure to the to the credit of these things red stags elk moose i mean you name it we can show you you know people are punching things all the time with our broadheads so have you guys come to the archery classic before this is our first time <clears throat> yeah. gotcha yeah so well i think there's going to be a lot of bow hunters here over the course of the weekend it ought to be a good opportunity for you guys to spread the word and for those who are just going to listen to the podcast where can folks go to learn more about vpa it's pretty easy just go to our website at uh vantagepointarchery.com or follow you like on uh, instagram instagram facebook where alex christensen is our she does a great job with all our media and our marketing yeah ryan threw his first one up on linkedin today yeah. so it's first post on linkedin but it's vparchery.com check us out and give us a shot you know we're made in america we're the blue collar guys and gals broadhead that's what we want to be yeah, you know, we, we're talking about this, the single bevel, and we're going to have that in our new gear guide in the next issue because it's pretty impressive. So we're actually glad that we had a chance to run into you both here and sneak you away from the booth. You know, it's starting to fill in here, so we're glad you could get away for a few minutes and join us. Yeah, and I think, Mark, you know, one of us, maybe me, because I'm kind of intrigued, i got to put these on the end of my arrows this year and shoot one because, I, like I was telling these guys before we started, I've... I've read about these single bevel deals and you know we've covered that in the magazine we've we've talked about some of the sort of the physics of it the way that you know as Ryan had mentioned earlier you choose the the bevel angle based on the way that your arrow is coming off your bow you know in other words when you shoot an arrow you know your your arrow is either going to spin clockwise or counterclockwise as it's on its way to the target and so you're going to match your your angle of your broadhead to that and it's going to get that corkscrew action and, and push through everything in its path and uh i don't know i kind of feel like i need to go bust some shoulders to just kind of back up what these guys are telling me because they look like such honest guys they got to be telling us the truth so we'll even let you put them in some rocks too if you want we'll shoot well yeah we'll shoot one into a rock and okay. see what happens you gotta I've, send us pictures of what you kill with them oh absolutely absolutely so well listen guys we really appreciate you showing this to us and uh glad we had a chance to bump into you man this is a great it's been a great day mark you just never know who you're going to bump into down there yeah absolutely and hopefully we'll pick up a couple more people it's uh, just an exciting time and you know you just hope the chance to walk around ben you see these shooters from all over the world coming here in you know, lancaster pennsylvania it's amazing absolutely so we're going to head back down to the floor we're going to let these guys get to their booth and we're going to go see who else we can find Thanks, Thanks, guys. Guys. thank you Thanks for downloading the Peterson's Bow Hunting Podcast. All bow hunting, all the time. Pick up the latest issue of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on your local newsstand or connect with us online at bowhuntingmag.com.